Um, we're going to talk about neighboring. We're going to talk about neighboring this morning. Uh, you'll see a, a list of, of passages that come up from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 28, it says, if you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. 11.12 says, it is foolish to belittle one's neighbor, a sensible person keeps quiet. 22 verse 28 says, don't cheat your neighbor by moving the ancient boundary markers set up by previous generations. 24.28 says, don't testify against your neighbors without cause, don't lie about them. 25 verse 17, don't visit your neighbors too often or you will wear out your welcome. And 27 verse 10 says, never abandon a friend, either yours or your father's. When disaster strikes, you won't have to ask your brother for assistance. It's better to go to a neighbor than to a brother who lives far away. The book of Proverbs is filled with these instructions that let us know, listen, it is good to have a great relationship with your neighbor. That that is the avenue for peace. That as the, that's an avenue for potential provision and help um, in the place that you live in. Um, and and all, how many of us have experienced the opposite of having a contentious relationship with a neighbor? That there is just something so challenging about having a difficult neighbor. And it's a little bit concerning to me that one of my neighbors in the back just raised their hand when I asked if you've ever had a contentious relationship <laughs> with a neighbor. I've, I've maybe told the story before that at the um, previous house that we lived in, um, I was a couple of days late, two days late on um, putting my trash can back after leaving it out on the curb. And uh, one morning I woke up, came outside, and my trash can was placed immediately behind the bumper of my car. Um, a really passive-aggressive way for my neighbor to let me know, you left your can out too long. And, and it was so devastating for me, because all that I knew is that there was this anonymous person in my neighborhood that, that was frustrated with me and didn't like me, and that, those are the types of things that I see my counselor over. Um, but it's also one of those things that I, I, like, I told Larissa, I am going to go knock on every single neighbor's door and just tell them sorry, because I need to make this relationship right. And she told me, that passive-aggressive person will probably not want to engage in that conversation. What, I put my trash cans back now at a, at a, at a good time and an appropriate time. When, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, there's two parts. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And in, in, in their book, The Art of Neighboring, um, Jay Pathak and Dave Runyon really challenged the church to ask the question, like, what if Jesus is talking about our actual physical next-door neighbor? When he says, love your neighbor as yourself, what if he's really talking about that person next door? And they also, I think, really challenged the church to ask ourselves the question, are we neighboring differently than the world around us? And then provoke our imagination 
to really think about what would it look like if the church neighbored like Jesus' neighbors. Like just loved your actual physical next door neighbor. Tim Chester in his book, A Meal with Jesus, said, said it this way. I think it'll come up on the screen. The future of Christianity lies not in a return to the dominance of Christendom, but in small, intimate communities of light. Often they are unseen by history, but they are what transform neighborhoods and cities. That we start with our neighbors. That we start with the people that are next door to us. I want to take you to Luke chapter 5 because there we'll, we'll interact with the story of a man who has a radical encounter with Jesus and his very next step is to throw a party for his neighbors. Luke chapter 5, I'm reading from the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version, I'm reading at verse 27 through 32, it says this, after this, he, speaking of Jesus, went out and saw a tax collector named Levi, some of your translations may say Matthew, same guy, um, sitting at a tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and Matthew got up, left everything, and followed Jesus. Then Levi gave a great banquet for Jesus in his house, and there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others sitting at the table with them. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, and their scribes were complaining to Jesus' disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? If you read from the New Living Translation, it says, why do you eat with such scum? Jesus answered, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have come, I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to re repentance. And listen, this morning, what I want to do is just take a bit of time and explore um, some lessons that I learned from Levi when it comes to neighboring. And, and here's the, the first lesson that I learned, and it'll come up on the screen. It's, it's this, Jesus will like my neighbor's. Jesus will like my neighbors. Levi is, is called by Jesus, and his immediate response is to throw a party filled with tax collectors and sinners. And Levi thinks, this is a good idea. Right? He brings together Jesus and sinners, outcasts, rejects, and he thinks, this is going to be a great party. These people will get along with one another. These people will enjoy one another's presence. Yeah, this party will be fun. Listen, maybe you have segments of friends in your life. And maybe right now you can even think about it this way. Like, imagine this space where you throw a party and, and your work friends and your church friends all hang out together. And for some in this room, that may cause a little bit of squirming, right? For some in this room, that may be like, that might feel awkward. I'm not sure that they would get along with one another. I'm not sure how those conversations would go with each other. But as Levi, he, he starts following Jesus, and his immediate thought is, let me get together all of my friends and Jesus. Let, let me have them mingle with one another. 
Levi throws a party, a great banquet. And, and Matthew, I'm excuse me, Luke here, as he writes this, he lets us know the party is for Jesus. Levi throws a party for Jesus. And, and he believes that the people that Jesus would want at his party are all of his scum friends. And, and like my heart leaps thinking about how much Levi understands the heart of Jesus. And you think about it, right? Like if, if you think about a loved one in your life and you're thinking about, like, hey, your 50th birthday is coming up, you, you might ask, like, if I were to throw a party, who would you want at your party? And, and Levi, he's like, I'm going to throw a banquet for Jesus. And you know who I think he would really like to be there? Tax collectors, sinners, outcasts. Like, side note, do you think about, like, stop and think about, think about Jesus as, like, as, a, as a kid or as a young teenager and Mary asking him, hey, hey, Jesus, your birthday's coming up. Like, who, who do you want at your party? Who do you want at your birthday party? And can you just imagine Jesus' response? I just picture him saying, that leper that's at the city gate that everyone ignores, the, the, the Roman soldier that everyone turns an, 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 a blind eye to. The, the kid that has, has the limp, the kid that talks a little funny, like, that's who I want at my birthday party, Mary or mom. <laughs> like, right? Like, can you, like that's, that's how I imagine. I mean, just, would Matthew or Levi, he throws a party for Jesus, and his understanding is it's the tax collectors and sinners. Deborah Hirsch had this statement that I came across recently that has absolutely challenged me, and it's this. Who we have around our table says a lot about the Jesus we follow. And I think that's not to beat us up or to make us feel guilty, but it's just this place of understanding, like, man, who is it that Jesus just longs to sit with? And just really genuinely believing he would get along with your neighbor. And I hope that the work that God is constantly doing and forming amongst us is that your really awkward friend or your like super conservative friend or your really extremely liberal friend or your really cranky friend can show up here and be welcomed and to be loved. I think what Levi teaches us is yeah, Jesus would get along. He would, he would love he would love to party with your neighbor. He would love to party with your neighbor. Let's go to the next one. Let's, let's talk about motive. Um Levi throws a party for Jesus, and I just simply want to say, this party seems to simply be born out of a love and celebration of Jesus. He, he throws the party 
and he just invites those that are in his life to share what he loves. He loves Jesus, he loves his friends, and so he throws a party and he gets them together. And it really is just that simple. Like just inviting the people around us to enjoy what we enjoy. Would you just hang out together? And it isn't with this ulterior motive. It isn't with this, this space of like, like th that his neighbors were some kind of project or target, but it was just this great banquet that he threw with, with lavishness and celebration in honor of Jesus. Jesus was worth celebrating in his mind. Um, back to the book, The Art of Neighboring, I love what they say. They just simply have this statement for us. We don't love our neighbors to convert them. We love our neighbors because we are converted. And, and, what, and what Jesus is doing within us is that he's just giving us a new heart for people. He's, he's causing within us a heart that, that just simply delights and loves the people around us. And we're, if my friend or my neighbor were to reject Jesus, they still are my friend. I will still love them. They will still, right, I will still make an effort to be a source of blessing and joy and delight there in, in the neighborhood. Listen, maybe it really is the case that when Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself, that's the goal in and of itself, to love your neighbor. My neighbors are not projects or targets. They are part of the world that God so loved, and they are precious and priceless in his sight. Levi's motive seems to be love that it would be fun and life-giving for his group of friends to be around Jesus. And he's lavish in his love. Again, it's a great banquet with a large crowd. And what, what Levi teaches me is generosity and joy. Listen, I think the statement here is, listen, you, it's not about having a lot. The, the goal here isn't have a really big house that you are comfortable inviting a large crowd over to. But it's simply this place of saying, Levi just simply puts his priority on people. It's that he, he throws a party for Jesus and for his, and his friends to come together, and it's, it's just a place of celebration. This, for Levi, is worth spending his resources on. This is what he wants to prioritize with what he has. And I think maybe the, the simple goal for us is, is, is this. Start in this place. Pray that you would have a heart that enjoys your neighbors. Just pray that God would be the one that plants within you a heart that delights in the people around you. And then step two, maybe you talk to someone else, talk to a good friend, about what, what hesitations or fears or insecurities exist within your heart when it comes to loving the neighbors around you. And I think in that place of unity and, and, and just brainstorming with, with a loved friend that you would come up with just some really fun, unique ways to enjoy your neighborhood, to enjoy the people around you.
And I think what Luke intentionally does here as he writes to us here in this gospel account is that the scene of the banquet, Jesus and the disciples and the notorious sinners celebrating with one another is contrasted to the bitterness of the religious leaders. And it's a space of saying, like, which, which, which camp do you want to be in? And let's be the people that just enjoy love and delight in the people around us. Which make, brings me to, to the next thing that I learned from Levi, and it says, make time for people. Just make time, slow down, evaluate the busy calendar. And just like, what, what does it look like? What does it look like within my schedule? What does it look like within my week? What does it look like for me to make time for people? And listen, I'm not saying that every day you should be spending time with someone in your neighborhood. One just little subtle change that I read about, and I think it was in this book, The Art of Neighboring, was just simply this. Maybe one hour this week Rather, as a family or, you know, maybe it's your own space and time, rather than being maybe in your backyard or in your living room, you move that space to your front porch or to your front yard or to a common space in the apartment complex. Just for one hour this week, you just say, I'm going to be outside. But not on Tuesday. You're going to come here to the election night communion. Oh, it's going to rain on Tuesday? Have an umbrella. Listen, this is, right, like it's Luke chapter 5, and there's a whole lot more chapters to go. This is the launch of, of Jesus' public ministry. He, there's a lot that's on his to-do list, right? There's, there's a lot of people to visit. There's healings that are going to be taking place. There are going to be teachings that he's going to be have. There are going to be synagogues to be visited, right? There are Pharisees to have conversations with. And when Jesus is invited to a party by Levi, he says yes. He prioritizes the time to be around people. And when Luke talks to us about the mission of Jesus, what, what he says about the mission of Jesus, he says this, that the Son of Man, Jesus, came eating and drinking. That's how Jesus did ministry. He just, he made time to be present with people. Uh, let me read this a little bit longer quote to you from Norman Wurzba. He says, Jesus's ministries of hospitality had the effect of transforming people so that the confusion and terror they ordinary, ordinarily felt could be converted into a welcoming and loving embrace that enabled them to see and know their guests and each other for who they more truly are. Eating was the place of recognition for the disciples because eating that is inspired and, form, and formed by Christ is about learning to commune with each other. It is about discovering the truth of the world 
and then together developing the skills and habits people need in order to live with each other in modes of care, generosity, and peace. A really long way to say that what Jesus is doing amongst us is he's teaching us table manners. Right? He's teaching us that, that the table really is this space, this incredible space where you can make space and time for others and to truly get to know them, to truly get to know who they are, what their cares are, what, what they're passionate about, what their dreams are. If they were to open a restaurant, what would it be like? Like just a space for us to actually know what it is to be still and to be present with the people around us. Last point is this. Food is a great way or a great place to start. When you think about loving your neighbors, food is a great place to start. I, I came across this ad from, from Weber Grills. It'll come up on the screen and it says this, no one has friends over to microwave. <laughs> come on now. The way to your neighbor's heart just might be through their stomach. The way to get to know your neighbors, the way to, to just like finally know their, their name, it might be through food. It might be through that old-fashioned um, action of baking cookies and going to your neighbor's house and just saying, I made this for you. I think the most impactful thing, one of the most impactful things that a church community do, could do to change our world might just be through throwing block parties. Starting in the small little spaces, being faithful in those little neighborhoods that Jesus has placed us in. And it's those spaces where we neighbor well that we actually get to know the pain points and needs that exists in the world around us. Love your neighbor, cook for them, bake for them, barbecue for them. Here's why. Because some people in your neighborhood, you might be surprised by actually the fact that there are a lot of people in your neighborhood that are painfully lonely and are looking for community. And they don't know where to start. They don't know how to begin. But you could be that catalyst for change in your neighborhood. John, John Mulaney, the comedian, said this. It's hard to make friends when you're an adult. I think that's the greatest miracle of Jesus. He has 12 best friends in his 30s and they weren't his wife's best friend's husbands. <laughs> Come on. Just start in this simple space of getting to know your neighbors. Some simple things that, that we've done recently is we've found out that a neighbor had, um, that they had a baby, and so we went to the grocery store, we bought a DoorDash gift card and a note card. And we said, congratulations, and we just dropped it off for them. 
And it's just this way to say, like, hey, we see you, we love you, and you get to pick what the meal is that you want. When, when I smoke pulled pork in my Traeger, I intentionally make more than, than what is needed for our household. Because it is a great place of delight for me to knock on my neighbor's door and say, look, I've got extra pulled pork, and I'd love for you to have it. And what's inspired that is this. Listen to this quote from Frederick Buchner. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And I've realized I like grilling and my neighbors like eating. (laughs) So let me just marry those two together. And by the way, here's one of the byproducts that happen. Our neighbors bring us food now. Like, if you just want to have just, like, a completely selfish motive, love your neighbors, bring by food, because there will be food brought to your house. But listen, food becomes an avenue for relationship. It really does. Like, humans speak through the love language of meals. Provide meals for the people in your neighborhoods. Throw block parties. Drop off carne asada. Drop off uh, chocolate chip cookies. And see the way that it transforms your relationships with the neighbors around you.